Hello, and welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on Twitter. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And happy Monday as you listen to this. We are recording this on Friday, but we know that it's a Monday when you're listening to it, because of course you listen to this podcast as soon as it goes live. Well, at least they're listening to it in a post-Halloween atmosphere, as opposed to the pre-Halloween atmosphere that we're currently living in, which is very different. It's a very different world. Yeah, what are you going as for Halloween? Um, I haven't I haven't set it in stone, but I'm leaning pretty heavily towards the GR a GR member from the leftovers because <laughs> what else would I do? I thought about trying to be Kevin because I really do love Kevin's character, but I don't want everybody walking up to me and being, Oh, you're a cop. That's cool. I'm like, no, that's not no, it. I'm a very specific cop. Yeah, you should you should get it because like I'm seeing somebody in the room over there <laughs> and you can't see him, but I can see him, so you should understand that. Also I'm crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Duh. You just heard me speak. Uh, but what about you, Liz? What do you got? What do you got in the? Uh, it was looking really bleak for a while there. I didn't have any good ideas, and then yesterday USA sent us a uh, F Society mask from the from Mr. Robot. So now I'm going to be sexy F Society. <laughs> yeah, that'll be that'll be hard to top. You should uh, you should do well with that. I'm I'm pretty excited. I thank thank you USA for making sure that I had something to wear. Uh, but other things that have happened over this weekend include The Walking Dead continuing yet again its run. I, I have not seen this episode that is going that aired last night, according as we record this for the future. But uh, apparently, it's not. It was a, it was a really good episode. Uh, I, I talked to one critic who watched it, who said he really enjoyed it, uh, and yet it didn't answer it didn't answer any major questions that were, be, were that people have been asking over the last week, though. So. I apologize to you, happy, happy, uh, happy, unhappy, rather, uh, AMC viewers who uh, maybe wanted some answers and did not get them. And yeah, I have no idea what that's like, but I <laughs> you, you our, just watched the leftovers. Is all. <laughs> I thought our um, I thought our spoiler podcast was well timed, considering what happened with the the Walking Dead and how many headlines and and photos under headlines gave away the big twist of last week's episode where it was like, okay, well, I guess I know who's dead. Yeah. I guess I know what happened there. Like that's, there's no way to avoid that. So. Ugh. Yeah. Sucks to be that guy or girl. We're, we're not, we're not, spo- we're not spoiling you for it. We're just saying people die. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I can keep it under my hat. My, my lack of caring on the subject is going to be hard for me to, for me to hold this in, but I can probably do it. Well, Yes. The point of bringing up The Walking Dead, though, is the fact that AM, it, it, it's, part, it's, it's, it's become such a cornerstone of AMC's lineup. But this week we also saw the announcement that Norman Reedus, the star, one of the major stars of The Walking Dead, arguably the most beloved character of the cast, at least now. Um, <laughs> but he's, he's getting his own reality show where he's just going to ride a bike around, around the world or something. Uh, that is as far as I read into the story when I heard that, that Norman Reedus was making a motorcycle docu-series where, yeah, he basically rides around on his motorcycle and continues to be Norman Reedus, and people are very entertained by this, which, to be clear, there's nothing wrong with. That's absolutely fine. It's a, it's a seems like a perfectly vi- viable so- form of reality entertainment. Um, 
But yeah, it was an interesting choice for this network, which continues to make very interesting choices. Yeah, I mean, the thing about AMC is that, you know, looking back, say, four or five years, AMC was the Mad Men network, was the Mad Men network, and it was the uh, Breaking Bad network, and it had this really high, you know, high class feel to it. And nowadays, it's, it's diversified its interests in a really fascinating way, while also not necessarily going after the heavy-duty, high-prestige projects anymore. Yeah, it's got, I mean, it definitely still has a few of those, well, maybe just one, really, of, of really high-prestige-level products, the, the same kind of products that put it on the map. I mean, what's interesting to me about AMC and what kind of worked so well about its brand for me and how easy it was to identify was it was the first network it was the first cable network to win the drama series other than HBO. Like it was the first, you know, regular cable network as opposed to a pay cable network. Um, Mad Men came out in season one, put AMC right on the map. There it was. All of a sudden they had Mad Men and Breaking Bad. And, you know, from there on it just seemed like they were trying to build up that reputation of being maybe not the HBO of of uh, you know regular cable, but of definitely being a, a competitor in that sense and a and a heavy presence at at the Emmys. Yeah, and I mean that's that's been such an essential part of it. But this year, did it have what what was what what skin did AMC have in the game at this year's Emmys? Better Call Saul, like, and that's and that's such a continuation of Breaking Bad. It's like so very connected to that. Um, I almost don't want to give them credit for it, which is ridiculous. They absolutely deserve credit for it because it's a whole new entity. It had a lot of you know issues that could have you know easily just taken it down from the get-go that would have kept it from working and it overcame those and has, has came up with this beautiful show that everybody is is in a lot of it has a lot of admiration for including myself um, it deserved every nomination that it got but at the same time it's almost like well what else are you doing like what are these other shows that you guys are going to put out and especially what are you going to put out uh, for the people who are watching your network particularly for that kind of content and are getting overwhelmed with shows like The Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, and Walking Dead spinoffs like Norman Reedus driving a motorcycle across the country. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we looking forward, like, uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, we're going to see the launch of Into the Badlands. Actually, it might be sooner. Yeah, I think it's sooner than that. It might be, uh, yeah, it's the 15th, I believe. And I've seen the first episode of Into the Badlands, and the review embargo is lifted, so I'm able to talk about it freely. Uh, it's a really weird, weird show that is trying to do a lot of different things. It does some of them very well. Most of those things involve killing dudes. Like that is a, it is a beautifully violent show. They've really they the, the the official official genre for it is a martial arts show. That's what they call it in all of the press. That's what they when uh, the creators Miles Miles Miller and Al Goff, uh, I think that's how you pronounce their names. Uh, when they went around pitching the show, they were like, "We want to make we." It's been too long since there's been a martial arts television show on the air. We need a martial arts show. So it's very much this thing, but it's also a post apocalyptic western fantasy series and it it's bizarre as hell man it's you get that's a post-apocalyptic show too i didn't even realize that that was the well, setting that that show was in technically they, 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 they called it a feudal land but there are motorcycles it basically the idea is like earth it, it, like american civilization collapsed like centuries ago and so this is like the new feudal system that's kind of arisen in its wake um i 
I mean, that picture that I can't get out of my mind is literally a guy with a samurai sword riding a motorcycle, which just makes the show seem, it seems like it's going to be a ridiculous, maybe a ridiculously fun TV show, but at at least a very ridiculous show, which to me is off-brand from what uh, AMC used to do. Maybe it's more on-brand if they're really kind of shifting gears towards The Walking Dead and, and, and something more horror, something more action, something more populist. But, I mean, it, it seems like a very strange choice, even from just the marketing standpoint, just, the, just from the outside looking in. Yeah, I mean, the thing with AMC at this point is that, yeah, I mean, that's why we're doing this podcast, essentially, is kind of like to figure out what is AMC doing. It is. I mean, the thing about Into the Badlands thus far, and this is one of my one of my major concerns with it, is I. It doesn't. It, I think it's trying. It, I believe it is trying to be slightly more serious, take itself slightly more seriously than I want it to. Like I want it to be. I want it to lean more into the fact that it's a completely bonkers series, uh, because it, it it is on the surface. But they're trying to like be a little more dignified about it, and I'm not sure if that's going to play long-term. Though it is, of course, like a really hard balance to strike just across the board. Well, yeah, and I feel I feel like this is what is kind of interesting about looking at their their upcoming slate of, of programming. And, I mean, if you look at even, even what's already been on the air, if you look at Humans, um, that's definitely, uh, I mean, it's a drama series. It's got a little bit of prestige behind it because I mean, it got, it got pretty good reviews and you know, you've got William Hurt in there and, and kind of a, an elegant looking presentation. So it's got, you know, a little bit of that premium flair to it of, of that, you know, high quality kind of, kind of garb going on, which is good. Um, but at its core, it's definitely a sci-fi show and it's a futuristic show and it's, it may be about humanity and, and kind of dig into those deeper issues, but that's a, proven difficult sell when it comes to award season, when it comes to kind of marketing towards the people who want to see, uh, you know, prestige television. Um, Halt and Catch Fire is something that's definitely more aimed at those audience members and has gone over a few, well, at least one kind of, not an overhaul, but at least a, a, a big change in going from season one to season two when season one was a little disappointing. Season two kind of picked things up. But even that, it's definitely a more grounded, realistic drama. It's based in reality. It's it's a period uh, TV show. It's very intense. It has some very strong actors in it. You know that seems like something that was right in line with what they were doing before when they were coming out with that. A lot of people compared it to Mad Men. Uh, a few people even compared it to Breaking Bad. It seemed very much in line with that. But ever since that show, which not coincidentally got picked up for a season three, I haven't seen a lot of effort towards their old branding. It's almost like they're skewing away. Almost like they, I mean, they're clearly putting all their eggs in in the Walking Dead basket right now. I mean, that's their money maker. That's what's keeping them afloat. Um, in in you know, well, not afloat, but keeping them like in the green uh, for the for the entire year. But in terms of what's to come, I I'm not quite sure what they're trying to imitate or what they're actually going for. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. I you know we were asked uh, we were asked during our Reddit AMA like what are, what were the odds of Halt and Catch Fire coming back, and I. I didn't dodge the question, I, but my guess, my, I, I was basically betting on it getting canceled, as much as it saddened me and, more importantly, saddened my parents who love the show, um, as you can read many words about on IndieWire. Uh, but, yeah, with, with Help and Catch Fire, my, my, my inclination was to say it was going to, was going to get canceled because it is, it, it, it's a prestige show in line with what AMC used to do, and, more importantly, uh, 
they AMC was canceling shows like that. Like Hell on Wheels kind of stuttered to a quite very quiet finale uh, this summer, and meanwhile, like stuff more genre focused stuff like uh, Humans or uh, Into the Badlands was getting much more attention from them. Yeah, and 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 even while it while those shows seem to be getting a lot of attention, like Humans didn't seem to spark on an, on enough of people's radars to really justify it on either end of the spectrum as kind of a kind of a, a, a popular hit or a populist hit or you know just a, a generally rave review awards contender. Like it's somewhere in between that. Like it's a little bit of it's got a little bit of a cult vibe to it. Um, it's definitely got enough good reviews, like we mentioned, to to, to carry on and, and to see what kind of stuff would come in the future. But what's interesting, especially with TV and when it comes to award shows and when it comes to uh, you know programmers who rely on award shows to kind of build up their audience, um, it it doesn't really work after the first season. If you don't get the first season to strike, if you don't you know kind of pick up some nominations or a head of steam going in. It's really hard to get those voters to pick up the show later on because they have so much more to watch or they already have a bad taste in their mouth. And I, I honestly think I think AMC, if I was trying to play their PR team, if I was trying to, to figure out where they were going with this, I would argue that they're actually trying to find that kind of perfect in-between ground where they treat The Walking Dead as their prestige show. They treat that as something that gets good enough reviews and obviously wild ratings, like just incredible ratings, um, as almost like their Game of Thrones kind of entity where eventually they're going to push it over the edge and start getting it a little bit more awards attention, which they have just not been able to gain traction in so far. But you never know when something's this popular. And then the rest of it seems to be stuff that is in line with that, where it's ambitious, uh, it might be a little strange, but because of their old branding and because of, you know, they've got the weight of the ratings behind this other big property maybe people will try it out and maybe people will, you know, grow to, and, and catch on to that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's something, I think honestly, you know what, if it, it would not shock me if walking dead got nominated for an Emmy next year. And I'll tell you why I think that I mean, you, you, it was, you, everything you just said is totally, is totally true. And I think what's, I, I, my guess is that, one of the reasons Walking Dead never got nominated for an, for an Emmy in its first season, beyond the beyond what its competition was, that sort of thing, was that that show has had a really rocky behind the scenes journey since basically the first, since the first season with original creator Frank Darabont leaving. I'm sure that was a However, however, that affected Emmy, Emmy, Emmy voters, like whether they were pro Darabont, whether they were like, well, clearly the show shouldn't be nominated because the original creator's gone. Like whatever that, whatever the effect was, the ultimate, ultimate outcome was that it didn't get nominated. But I feel like the show's been on such a stable path this year, and it's been getting some real critical acclaim. I mean, with the, it, it, I think there we're kind of on the edge. We're kind of on the edge of finding out whether or not that critical, critical thing is going to that critical, critical positive energy is going to maintain itself. Based on based entirely around how they resolve this one major plot development regarding this character who is in theory dead, but may not be. Who knows? Point is, point is, is that if they can overcome that, this the show's never been in a creatively more well accepted position. I don't think, and who knows what that could lead to. I think you make a good point. I still don't think it's going to happen. I, okay. I love I love the devil's advocate side of that. I think you could definitely build a case around it. I think that it's got to overcome two big factors that historically has never been able to work. 
The first is that it's a horror show, and horror shows just do not do well at award shows. They never have, and and frankly, it's just it's so genre-specific, and so many people are so wary of something like that, and they're so wary to give credit to something like that. They're so wary to say, you know, even within the context of this genre, you're doing something very well, or you're doing something more than what's within this genre. Um, but the second thing, and, and the, the example that I'll use that gets around this point is American Horror Story. That's obviously a mainstay at the Emmys, and it does well every single year. It's always coming up out of nowhere and kind of stealing some trophies that you don't even expect it to. And that's because its cast is so beloved within the industry and without. Like, everybody loves everybody in American Horror Story. You have an incredible respect for, for Sarah Paulson and uh, Jessica Lang, who just left the season. Um, you know, like kind of up and down. Those people will have earned the trust of the Academy voters and get people to kind of, you know, look at that show again and again every year. And obviously the fact that the show starts over as an anthology series helps it out. The Walking Dead doesn't have people like that. It, I mean, its main lead is apparently somebody that, well, not necessarily as a person, but the character people don't like. They, they I've seen a lot of outcry for him to get off to him to be the next guy who goes down. Um, oh, but you there's mean Rick? Not, yeah, Rick. And, and as an actor, I think he's done some great work on the show, but clearly it's not getting any kind of, uh, notice. It's not, you know, calling out a lot of acclaim or, or, or earning any accolades. And the rest of the cast isn't quite there either. They don't rely on big names on that show in part because a lot of people are going to die and in part because of, you know, who they started off with. But yeah, I, I think without that kind of cast without the people who can really rally up the voters and get the acting branch behind you. And then as well as, you know, the horror people who, who just aren't going to watch your show to begin with, I don't see it happening. I'm going to, I, I hear what you're saying and I feel like that's very acting focused and we're not talking really about like, you know, writing and directing. And I think a show that kind of, you know, you know what else won't ever do well at an award show? Like a medieval fantasy series, like some like crazy shit with dragons and whatnot. I don't know. That would never win best Emmy for drama at the at the Emmys. Well, I think we've also proven that that HBO can kind of do whatever it wants, and that those actors get the respect. They've earned the nominations over the course of the year. Game of Thrones was a contender from the beginning, and it also had a lot of build up behind it. Uh, because one, it is a fantasy show, but medieval shows do very, very well. Anything with swords and, 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 and medieval times is pretty friendly to an older demographic of voters. So the fact that it had a little bit of fantasy involved with it wasn't that big of a drawback. And obviously that tapped into something within the zeitgeist that sparked over into the Academy as well. So I, I, I think that one's got a very different edge to it than The Walking Dead. I, I understand the comparisons. I know I just made one earlier, but I do not see them as the same show. Okay. I mean, I honestly, and honestly, the thing is, like, Walking Dead, uh, there are a lot of contingencies upon my theory that Walking Dead could be, could find itself an Emmy contender next year. But I think they're going to go for it no matter what. Because I, you know, going back to your point that AMC was the first cable cable network after HBO to win a Best best Series award, um, who's to say they can't continue to kind of trail behind HBO on that path? Well, absolutely. And I think they have to, too. I mean, it, it, when it comes to these kind of things, when it comes to the award seasons, um, you know, they, they've got to make pushes. You've got to try these things. And The Walking Dead is clearly their best chance at, at earning those accolades. I mean, Halt and Catch Fire, the ratings are just too abysmal. And it, and it's one of, again, it's one of those shows that because of the season one that didn't quite work out, it's going to be really hard for people to get on board with season two, um, even if they did revamp it a little bit. 
uh, Humans it, it has those same genre trappings as well as kind of the the BBC side, which really struggles <laughs> at the Emmys for some reason. Um, and then and then obviously it also didn't quite get the like the the, the it's not going to end up on a lot of top ten lists, which is kind of important when it comes to the year end thing. Yeah. But um. But yeah, I think I think they'll give it a push, and I it'd be interesting to see the Walking Dead crack in, but you know. Can they get The Walking Dead in there as well as Better Call Saul, or will they just keep going with the show that they've already gotten in once before? Yeah, no, that's totally true. Um, I think the other thing with with, with uh, Humans is that it's because it's a British co-production. It's I think I think I, I think we've talked about this before actually uh, on this podcast about how AMC, you know, AMC didn't own Mad Men, and that reflect that w- was reflected in their relationship with the show in the way that. Similarly to how they much they seem much more behind Walking Dead uh, because they own Walking Dead, uh, they don't own humans. Ergo, perhaps there's not the thrust there as well. Uh, but yeah, the Better Call Saul deal. Uh, Better Call Saul is a really interesting point to bring up because I think you know when you talk about looking for that hybrid show right in between like the Mad Men prestige and the Walking Dead ratings, what you end up talking about is Breaking Bad which by by its fourth or fifth season was a real was had really managed to build up a, an audience and a following thanks to that audience following uh binge viewing the show on Netflix and catching up just in time for the new season uh and so but that didn't happen right away overnight like did was breaking bad even nominated for best drama in its first season oh that's a good question i think i think it made it I think it did make it in its first season, but let me double check that really quick. Yeah. Uh, no, it didn't. It only made it in season two. Interesting. So yeah. that kind of speaks to that. I mean, it, that also is a really interesting counterexample of uh, a show that didn't get immediate pickup and did still manage to do very well for itself. Yeah, I need to go back and look at the timing of that too, just to kind of see when that release was and how it lined up with the Emmys. But it's a good point, and it's one of those things where uh, you know momentum can really you know help something and kind of get it over the edge. Um, again, The Walking Dead has had so much momentum behind it for so long. I, I don't know how much of a factor it's going to be now, but um, and it also it also has way better. I mean, even when Breaking Bad was at its peak, it's not quite comparing to The Walking Dead numbers. But uh, it's it's kind of a good in between spot. I'm curious to see kind of how Better Call Saul keeps holding up with the ratings as season two, you know, kicks off and and we get further and further from the end of Breaking Bad and the fervor that surrounded that show. But um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's it's an it's an interesting conversation to have with AMC. Um, I think one of the <laughs> one of the external factors that's really interesting to me is is the fear of the Walking Dead spinoff and these other spinoffs that are very connected to the Walking Dead, like the Norman Reedus thing. Um, they're 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 hedging their bets. They're they're definitely making sure that they they remain kind of a, a cultural imprint and to have a statement and to have a voice. Um, but right now, I do feel like the voice is a little bit confused. Like you don't really know what they mean, what they are anymore. And are you are you talking about AMC or are you talking about The Walking Dead? I'm talking about the AMC. I, I think The Walking Dead knows exactly what it is, and it's just going to keep doing that forever. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't see any reason. Why that show will end? I, I it just I, got renewed for season seven today. I, I don't know if you saw. I did. Yeah, I I, I was shocked that it hadn't been already. <laughs> it was one of those things where I was sitting there like, wait, this isn't one of those that's getting like two or three season pickups at a time. I'm honestly surprised by this, but yeah, 
Yeah, I mean that's actually that's a fun show to keep renewing just because it's 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 similar it's, it's the structure of it's so close to like something like ER where it's like it you could keep killing people off left and right and that show's just gonna gonna keep on going forever. I wonder. I I am curious, kind of if maybe just instinctually viewers are seeing Rick as the endpoint in some way because he was the guy from the beginning. And even with everybody else dying off and Rick hanging around, if they killed off Rick, I wonder if people would think of that as an ending of some sorts and maybe taper off with The Walking Dead. Like they'd have to have some sort of good, like pretty solid transition in place, pretty solid replacement to keep things going. I would, I would imagine. Yeah. If Rick died. Uh, that's a really interesting point, and I'm going to preface this with a spoiler alert for the show Lost where uh that's your spoiler I, I give you a little spoiler space even so you're you're safe now but yeah with lost actually uh you know that show was such an ensemble show it really was and there was but they they did kind of there was a white male at the center of it and yeah that the white male was certainly the ending the 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 passing of the white male was certainly the ending of that show um and in a really, in a, it was a really striking moment too. It may, that's what, but you know, I wouldn't have ever felt like that was the character that should end the series essentially. But he really was, and you know, it's a, man, it's so weird. It's, it's so weird with ensemble shows. Like when we were talking about Fargo, it was like hard to figure out like you know who the real protagonist is, and I guess that's because there isn't really supposed to be one in those sorts of programs. Oh, I, well, I just with Fargo. Like, I mean, they, he, the Lou Solverson not only his connection to season one and the fact that we know he survives, but, you know, his just kind of purity and, and his representation of purity sets him up to be your protagonist. Like, he's the guy that you're rooting for. And there's, there's a lot of conflict and gray areas in between that, but it's... I would I would bet that most people who are watching it think to themselves, well, as long as this family turns out okay, as long as the Solversons are fine, then everything's going to be okay. What about Ted Danson, Ben? He's part of the family. Okay. He's and he's Ted Danson. Like I mean, <laughs> I just I'm still really nervous, Liz. I, I'm I'm just I'm sweating over here thinking about Ted Danson dying on Fargo. I I mean I can't handle that. I just I just can't. It's going to be a really rough day when Ted Danson. If, 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 who knows? Yeah, nobody knows. Nobody knows. I, I am very suspicious. And all this talk, especially now that you've, I don't since we've connected the dots between somehow from Rick on The Walking Dead to to uh, Matthew Fox, Jack on Lost, to, <laughs> to white males dying on shows slash protagonists, I'm, now I'm just thinking, well, what, what if something happened to Kevin on The Leftovers? How, I mean, I would be <laughs> That would just bring me down so hard. And now I'm thinking that Damon Lindelof has a history of this. And I'm just like, oh, my God, what are they going to do? Oh, my God. Ben, I've pulled you into a major downer spiral. And I'm really sorry for that. It's uh, a rough way to start Halloween weekend. I know it's after Halloween weekend for people who are listening. But it's the start for me. This is going to be tough. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, I think the conclusion – I'm going to pull us out of this. I'm just going to say our, <laughs> our conclusion with AMC is – the one thing I want to say about AMC is that – as hard as it is as it is to define what they're doing, they are making really interesting shows. This is not CBS. This is not medical drama after medical drama or after after crime procedural. Not that it, that, that that CBS isn't capable of doing weird things as well. But I'm just saying, yeah. individual voices are being given are being being heard at AMC, and that's cool. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Like uh, uh, part part of the confusion, and you could easily shoot it down and boil it down to exactly this is just that some of these shows are nuts. They are like Into the Badlands is a bonkers freaking television show. I cannot explain how that show would get picked up or greenlit. I could not imagine a television landscape with a show like that, like on it, especially on a on a network like AMC. But they're doing it, and that's pretty awesome like just the fact that they have the balls to do something like that is pretty great and that they're that they're continuing with that like that they're pushing those boundaries they didn't try one you know kind of weird or quirky show and it didn't quite work out or it didn't live up to expectations they they keep going with it and that's i mean that's something to be admired in in today's landscape yeah i mean they're they they and they actually have a history of giving shows at least two seasons like i think don't like they canceled Rubicon, but Rubicon nobody was watching Rubicon. That was also many many years ago. So hats off to you, AMC. <laughs> yes, yes. Clearly. Even, even if neither of us could t- watch The Walking Dead regularly, hats off yeah. to you. Yeah. Um, you don't the, need us. You don't You've need. Got enough. You're covered. In the meantime, Ben, what was the last thing you watched last week? Uh, the best thing that I watched last week, Liz. The best thing. I'm sorry. The best thing you watched last week. Was Sicario, which is a movie <laughs> and not a TV show. But I'm Cheating. just going to talk about Sicario for a Boo. minute. Good lord, that movie is great. I I kind of want to stir the pot on this somehow and get people talking again about Emily Blunt's character. Because I remember reading some stuff and, and seeing her as kind of like a passive vessel or people saying that she was not a focal point of the, of the movie so much as like a, a way in for the audience to go through these steps. And I honestly cannot disagree with that more. And I got to give a lot of credit to the to the director. I mean, this is a very well put together thing, which is what everybody kind of agreed upon. Um, but the script in place works beautifully well. Uh, it's very satisfying. It was something that I could have, I, as I was watching it, I didn't want to leave it. But at the same time, I was very happy that it gave me a conclusion, which is obviously something you have to wait a while for when you're watching TV. So then instinctually, I was like, you know, this is a lot better than Narcos. Like, this is another drug kind of show. This is a drug thing. This is so much more satisfying to watch in a two-hour form than Narcos was for any of its hours. Um, So yeah, Sicario is something that I would encourage everyone to go check out, even though it's not TV. And I'm really sorry. And I just had to say that. So Liz... Save us and tell us about your best thing you watched on TV. Well, uh, the, well, t- I have two things written down, one of which I technically <laughs> feel weird about saying, especially because I didn't watch it on TV. I watched it in a movie theater. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Let's just say that Ben is no longer the only one who's seen the first episode of The X-Files season yeah. 10. Yeah. And, uh, I'll have more thoughts on that later. Uh, so many thoughts. Oh, so many thoughts. You guys are in for a treat. If you're already excited about the X-Files coming out and you already kind of like it, Wire, think we're okay, whatever, just wait until X-Files coverage kicks into full gear. I mean, we're going to have reviews, we're going to have think pieces, we're going to have episode reviews, and I'm pretty sure Liz is going to be doing all of it. So <laughs> I'm going to need some excited. help. I have, a, I have a whole week of lists planned. <laughs> Well, I will help you with the blurbs, but you know, obviously, you'll be editing and making sure everything's in the right tone and and, yes. and, and guiding things through. So if that'll you, be good. Yeah, if you're not aware, the X Files is a special snow, a very special show for us here at IndieWire, um, especially me. But I'm gonna not. I'm, it's a, officially my pick is not the X Files though. Uh, my pitch, pick is actually a show that has been off the air for ten years, 
but I rewatched this week because I pitched a basically I pitched an idea to our film side about comparing the upcoming Brad, the the now in theaters Bradley Cooper film Burnt to a show he did in 2005 called Kitchen Confidential, and then they're like, "Great, are you going to watch all those things?" And I'm like. Oh, I guess I should. So then I went and saw Burnt at a screening, and then I saw, and then I watched Kitchen Confidential. And Kitchen Confidential holds up really well. It's it was tragically canceled like after four episodes because it only had three point five million viewers. Oh God! Yeah, terrible. Two thousand five was a different time, people. <laughs> <laughs> like, what did Fargo get? <laughs> Ugh, well, I don't know half that. No, like a third of that. Maybe. Yeah, jeez. Um, we, but anyway, so Kitchen Confidential, all 13 episodes are available now on Hulu and you can watch them commercial free if you get the commercial free option, which you should totally do because it's worth it. And, uh, it's really fun. Bradley Cooper is a great lead and the ensemble cast is really great. It's got John Cho. If you loved Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it's got Nicholas Brennan in it, uh, Brendan in it, uh, uh, Ewan, uh, oh God, I can't say his last name, but Really, overall, across the board, really strong ensemble. Franklin Jella is like own, is the place the restaurant owner, and it's a really smart. In, it's really smart, really funny, very dirty at times comedy about food, uh, which is always fun to see at times. Yes. So, so obviously. I, so and yes, it's an oldie but a goldie. So would you say, Liz, that people would be better off this weekend spending their time watching Hulu's? Better or Kitchen Confidential, Bradley Cooper cooking than going to a theater and seeing Burnt. One hundred percent across the board. Burnt's not nice. awful, but it's it's just it's just sad how it doesn't. It's not as good as it wants to be, and yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a bad scene, man. There was a line in the trailer that lost me. I can't remember what it is now. It's something <laughs> like it was, I think it was comparing cooking to sex, and I was just like, no, I'm not. I'm not doing this. I like this it when is... I like when I like when Robert Rodriguez talks about how food and sex are the same thing, but I don't need to hear Bradley Cooper do it. <laughs> That's interesting, Liz. That's an interesting choice. Have you ever seen okay. uh, Robert Rodriguez does these uh, cooking videos as uh, featurettes on his DVDs, and they're all really good. I have not seen those, but I. But oh, you, okay. I mean, as as Robert Rodriguez super fan number one, I'm shocked by this. Yeah, clearly, I am. I am getting ready to write about his his L Ray Network show, but that's a that's a different story for a different time. Yes, a different story. Uh, so, Ben, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? I am so excited, Liz, and I think we both are. I know we both are for the new Netflix series, Master of None. Oh yeah. Oh my God! It starts starts Friday, November sixth. Um, it's Aziz Ansari's television show, and let me be one of many people to tell you over the next few weeks that if you think of Aziz Ansari as just that awesomely funny guy on Parks and Recreation or that great stand-up that you catch on Netflix, of course, um, he's so much more than that. Like he's had, he is a, a very compelling person to speak to and to listen to and to watch, kind of go through all of these different opinions and to dig into societal issues and to kind of analyze those and, and spit back feedback. He looks through numbers. I mean, he, he goes through like uh, studies. He does experiment. I mean, there's so much going on with this guy um, that him having his own TV show, especially on a platform like Netflix, which allows you to pretty much have the freedom to do whatever you want, is very, very exciting. Um, I, the embargo is definitely lifted, so I've seen the reviews out there. So I can safely say 
the first two episodes are sublime. They're fantastic. They're like, especially the second one is just top tier television. So please, everybody, get excited for Master of None. Nice. And Liz, yes. yes. Follow that up. What are you excited for? Uh, nothing so classy. Uh, I'm. I'm basically. I saw back in like freaking January the pilot <laughs> for the Royals, um, uh, which is I believe E's first ever scripted show. It stars Elizabeth Hurley as the Queen. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was really great at TCA's because uh, they had they brought out like fancy couches and she got a fancy couch all to herself. And she's just like, yeah, I'm sitting on this fancy couch in the middle of the, middle of the stage all by myself. No one else gets to share this couch with me. And then Jackie Collins came on and that she had to share the couch with Jackie Collins. But that's okay because it's Jackie Ooh. Collins. Well, yeah. Anyways, it, I, never, I never got a chance to really sit down with the first season uh, after watching the pilot. But I did enjoy the pilot. It's good, trashy, soapy fun. But you've got – and if you, if, you, if you ever have any sort of like – if you have any sort of like – royalist fascination which occasionally i do like it's definitely playing to that that aspect of uh our culture and season two launches in i believe two weeks and so i'm gonna make my my next thing is i'm going to try to catch up on season one so i'm ready for season two it's a good project liz and that was actually that was an excellent choice we're getting a lot of what we're hitting across the board here on this yeah. podcast covering a lot of grounds yes good. we've talked about so many different tv shows Many of which we've actually watched. <laughs> That's the standard we set for ourselves. We don't watch all of the things we talk about, but try to get most of them. Try We do try. Uh, we also try to keep up with everything at IndieWire.com, where you can find reviews, interviews, features, what have you. Uh, and they are written by Ben, and they're written by me, and sometimes they're written by the two of us together, and sometimes they're written by completely different people, but we like them anyway. Yeah. So, well, sometimes. But, uh, yeah, and if you like what we're doing, then for the love of God, start listening to Screen Talk and start listening to IndieWire Influencers. We have two more podcasts on what we're referring to as the IndieWire Network, right? Is that what we're calling it? I mean, IndieWire Core Network, because they're a a podcast beyond beyond those podcasts, but those are two really great podcasts. Yeah, I don't have time to go through the whole network. That's crazy. If, If you have time, then by all means, do it. Listen to everything you can get to. But if you have to set priorities... IndieWire Influencers and Screen Talk are must-listens, especially, as I've said before, during Oscar season, which is right now, folks. Everything's coming out. You've got to get to the movie theater and you've got to keep up with it, but you have a lot of TV to watch, which is obviously more important, yes. so you have to make sure that you choose wisely when you leave the house, and these two podcasts are going to help you do just that. Yes. So uh, you can also find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. And you can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet with an I and an E. That's correct. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, keep watching television. Mm-hmm.